Welcome to Carefully Examining the Text. And in this podcast, we want to study Psalm 79. Psalm 79 has similarities to Psalm 44, Psalm 74, and Psalm 137, among others. It sounds much like the book of Lamentations at points. It seems to have been written after the destruction of Jerusalem in 587 B.C. The city is in ruins, the temple is in ruins, and also we learn from the book of Kings that the last king to sit upon the throne of Judah has been captured and his eyes put out. Judah has lost so much, and it was a low point for the people of God. In this psalm, as we're about to read it, we will see words of lamentation as the writer pours out his grief. We will also see words of imprecation, curses called down upon the enemies. We also will see pleas for mercy from God because we are weak and we have been brought low. And then we will see a statement of thanksgiving and praise to close the psalm. The only heading of Psalm 79 is that it is a psalm of Asaph. Verse 1, O God, the nations have invaded your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the dead bodies of your servants for food to the birds of the heavens, the flesh of your godly ones to the beasts of the earth. They have poured out their blood like water round about Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become a reproach to our neighbors, a scoffing and derision to those around us. How long, O Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath upon the nations who do not know you, and upon the kingdoms who do not call upon your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his habitation. Do not remember the iniquities of our forefathers against us. Let your compassion come quickly to meet us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God, of our salvation, for the glory of your name, and deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nations say, Where is their God? Let there be known among the nations in our sight vengeance for the blood of your servants, which has been shed. Let the groaning of the prisoner come before you. According to the greatness of your power, preserve those who are doomed to die, and return to our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom, the reproach with which they have reproached you, O Lord. So we, your people, and the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. To all generations we will tell of your praise." This psalm begins with a strong word of lament. He pours out his grief to God. O God, the nations have invaded your inheritance, your inheritance, and they have defiled your holy temple. It is terrible that God's people has suffered, but it is terrible that the heathen feels they can infringe upon God's inheritance and God's temple. And the text tells us Jerusalem is in ruins. The word ruins, a rare word, 
used in Micah's prophecy in Micah 3.12 and Jeremiah's in Jeremiah 12 or 26 verse 18. Actually, Jeremiah 26.18 is quoting the words of Micah. But the text tells us that the city is in ruins. And we also stated that the king has been taken, his sons killed before his eyes, and that he was blinded. Do you remember how Psalm 78 ended? Psalm 78 ended with God's choice of Mount Zion and God's choice of David. But now, both of these things are taken away. And there are dead bodies everywhere in verses 2 and 3. There are so many dead bodies that the people cannot bury them all. It was a horrible thing in the ancient Near East not to receive a proper burial. And yet, so many were killed in the destruction of Jerusalem that they did not receive a proper burial. That was a curse of the covenant in Deuteronomy 28, verses 25 and 26. And sadly, these people have realized it. And the author has witnessed this. In verse 4, they have become a reproach. We have become a reproach to our neighbors, a scoffing and derision to those around us. There's so many passages in the Psalms and the Prophets that show judgment will come upon the nations because of their mistreatment of Israel. Because they shamed them, they reproached them, they disgraced them. The same Hebrew words are not used, but the same concept here is present in the curses of the covenant in Deuteronomy 28, verse 37. If you compare Deuteronomy 28, 37 with verse 4. And so the writer pours out his grief at the pain they are experiencing in verses 1 through 4. And then in verse 5, he asks that question, which is asked so often in the Psalms, How long, O Lord? How long? He doesn't deny that the people have deserved punishment. But he does ask if it's going to last Last forever. In verse 5, how long, O Lord, will, your, will you be angry forever? And then also the intensity of it. Will your jealousy burn like fire? Jealousy burn like fire. So he speaks of the intensity of the punishment. He speaks of the seemingly forever consequences of this punishment. And he begs God in verses 6 and 7 to turn away his wrath from his people and to pour out his wrath on the nations that do not know you. Now, the word pour out, which is used in verse 6, was the same word, same Hebrew word translated poured out in verse 3. And it's going to be used again in verse 10, where it's going to talk about blood which has been shed or poured out. Verses 3 and verses 10 talk about how the wicked, the enemy, has poured out the blood of God's servants. And verse 6 asks that the blood of those who have poured out, those who have poured out the blood of God's servants, that their blood be poured out. This is the idea of lex talionis, of the punishment fitting the crime. Those who have poured out our blood, may you pour out your wrath 
upon these nations which do not know you. By the way, if you jot down Jeremiah 10:25, that passage states almost the same things of Psalm 97, Psalm 79 verses 6 and 7. Now verse 8 is worded in the New American Standard, do not remember the iniquities of our forefathers against us. That word can be translated forefathers, but it also can be translated former as it is in the New King James and the English Standard Version. Do not remember the iniquities, uh, our former iniquities against us. The most natural meaning of that word is probably chief or head, but it can mean either former or it can mean ancestors or forefathers. But I like the New American Standard, or, or excuse me, the English Standard Version here. Do not remember our former iniquities. And he is asking that God be merciful and that God forgive our sin, that God forgive the people's sins. Remember not the sins of our youth, Psalm 25, verse 7. And the Bible tells us, let your compassion come quickly to meet us, to meet us. And he begs God's forgiveness. Now, one of the most memorable verses in Psalm 78, which we talked about in the last two podcasts, was verse 38. Verse 38 described God's nature as being compassionate. And it said God forgave their iniquity. Now, the same root word used in Psalm 78, 38, compassionate and forgave, are used in Psalm 79, verses 8 and 9. Let your compassion come quickly to meet us. And in verse 9, the text emphasizes, deliver us and forgive our sins for your namesake, for your glory. In Exodus 32, verses 11 and 12, Moses prayed that God would not destroy his people in the wilderness because of his glory, for his namesake, lest the Egyptians say, you brought them out to destroy them in the wilderness and that you weren't able to bring them into the promised land. Here he is asking that God show his character and show his glory by helping his people and forgiving them and delivering them from sin. For why should the nation say, he asked in verse 10, where is your God? Why should the nations ask that question? That question was asked in Psalm 42, verse 3 and verse 10. It'll be asked again in Psalm 115, in verse 2. Often when God's people suffered a great calamity, when they suffered this calamity at the hands of those who worshiped other gods, their enemies taunted them and said, where is your God? And Israel, by their sin, has given the enemies of God a chance to blaspheme. But he prays, God, for the glory of your name, help us, deliver us. For your name's sake, forgive our sins. We don't want the nations to be able to ask, where is your God? And he begs God that he pour out his vengeance upon those that they might see and know that the Lord is God. 
Derek Kidner, in his brief but masterful commentary on Psalm 79, said verse 11 talks of size. Verse 12 talks of judgment. Verse 13 speaks of praise. That that's the word in each of these passages. He begs in verse 11 for mercy. Let the groaning of the prisoner come before you. According to the greatness of your power, preserve those who are doomed to die. Those who were carried in captivity, who were walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he begs God to have mercy and God to rescue, God to do it by the greatness of his power. And in verse 12, he asks for judgment, just as he did in verses 6 and 7 and in verse 10. In verse 12, return to our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom the reproach with which they have reproached you, O Lord. They have mocked you. They have reproached you. Lord, return that back to them seven times the amount. In verse 13, so we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. To all generations, we will tell of your praise. The psalm that began on such a sad and broken note that God's inheritance had been invaded and that the blood of God's people had been poured out like water and there were so many dead in Jerusalem, you could not bury them all. That same God, that same psalm ends on notes of thanksgiving to God and praise to God. That's a picture of how God can take our lowest circumstances and our most defeated moments and bring salvation and bring deliverance. The last couple of Psalms have in, ended on a note of the Lord as shepherd. Psalm 77, verse 20. You, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. God's people are like a flock, and God is the shepherd, and he used Moses and Aaron to lead them. In Psalm 78, verses 70 and 71, God chose David and took him from the sheepfolds to shepherd his people Jacob, to shepherd them in the integrity of his heart. So this is now the third consecutive psalm to end on a note of the Lord. A shepherd. And Psalm 80 will open up saying, O give ear, shepherd of Israel. Now, this prayer recorded as we stated, Lamentation, in verses 1 through 4, it records a call for curses to come upon the enemy in 6 and 7. 10 and 12. It has statements about the brokenness of the people in verse 8 through the first part of verse 10 in verse 11. And it has statements of thanksgiving and praise. Verse 13. How do we apply these words to Jesus? The Bible says they have defiled your holy temple. But Jesus said... Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it, raise it up. 
John 2, verses 19 through 22. They were going to defile God's temple in a greater sense. God was to take on the curses of the people for their disobedience. The word that's used poured out in verse 3, verse 6, and verse 10 is the same word used when Jesus talked about his blood, which was poured out for the remission of sins. I'm saying the word that was used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament in Psalm 79 is the same word used in Matthew 26. Matthew 26 and verse 28, Mark 14, verse 24, and, and Luke 22 and verse 20 to talk about Jesus pouring out his blood for remission of sins. But notice the connection between God's salvation and God's forgiveness and the glory of his name. This is perhaps the strongest link to Jesus. In John chapter 12, Jesus was anticipating his own death when he talked about a grain of wheat falling into the earth and dying and bearing much fruit. And he said in verse 27 of John 12, Father, what shall I say? Save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name. And the Father says in John 12, 28, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. In John 17, in verse 1, as Jesus prayed to his Father, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your name that your Son may glorify you. In verse 5, now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory that I had with you before the world was. God was going to bring glory to his name through the cross of Christ. Through the cross of Christ, Jesus would pour out his blood. Through the cross of Christ, God would bring glory to his name and forgiveness for our sins. Yes, Jesus fulfills Psalm 79. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you.